Hey, y'all. I am, you are, we are Tripping with Trip. My podcast to you from Central Texas, the third coast. Thanks for joining our journey to a farm and artist residency in Kingsbury called Habitable Spaces. In the premiere episode, you were introduced to me and my backstory. I've lived in some of the most exciting cities in the United States, the West Coast, the East Coast, and now the Third Coast, Central Texas. I've done some amazing things and I've become a jack of many trades like travel, hospitality, small business, events, art, web design. I live for compelling conversation. My many careers have connected me with a variety of collaborators, artists, entrepreneurs, influencers, and other friends and distinct personalities from all walks of life. The result has been a network of fascinating, fun, and knowledgeable people ready to share their stories here on my podcast. This episode was recorded on New Year's Eve 2019, going into 2020. It was intended to be archived for a project in the very distant future. I was living in New York, preparing to sell my business and enrolled in a podcasting class in New York City. It was beginning to look like the start of a new, exciting chapter. After a family visit to Dallas for the holidays, I drove to a farm near Austin to celebrate New Year's Eve with friends and founders of the farm. We were firming up plans for a camper rental park collaboration. I decided to document our progress with an interview just to have for possible future content. Join the experience as we land on the farm that has taken a sleepy rural railroad town and grown a community. This is my BC or before COVID interview of Allison and Shane Heinemeyer, directors of Habitable Spaces. <laughs> 2020, you guys, we are on the farm and I am so excited about New Year's Eve. Oh, it's uh, going to be great. Yeah, no, I mean, it's all old. It's what I call my family and friends. <laughs> yeah, you guys have quite a community here. Yeah, we do. You've been in business for what? Eight years? We've been out here for eight years. Yep. Um, arrived to the property with nothing and have been building ever since. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how did we meet, Allison? Remind me. <laughs> oh, this is gonna I think I remember Allison a little here. bit of it. <laughs> well, uh, it's all down in the history pages. Classic. Um, <laughs> so it was in Dumbo, Brooklyn. 2004, 2005? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. So I had... Um, gone to dinner with a friend of mine and we had decided because it was a school night. Mm -hmm. I think it was Wednesday. It was a Wednesday and we were going to behave and we were going to have a night out without alcohol. Mm -hmm. So we went to Superfine and which is an amazing restaurant right yeah. underneath the uh, Manhattan Bridge overpass there and um, had a fabulous dinner. Their food is amazing. No drinks. We were so proud of ourselves. And then after dinner, we said, well, maybe we could just go down to the bar down the street. Just so have one good. little nightcap. We've been so good. <laughs> Come on. We're adults here. So we can. So we moseyed on down to the bar yep. and then started chit chatting and. Oh, man. It was like we were old friends. I remember saying to you the first time we met, it was like, 
how come we, you know, haven't? It's it's it was like we just picked up the thread from some mysterious place. That, so true. <laughs> I felt like we had met before, and we were just continuing the conversation. Yeah. So uh, from there, let's see, we met. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I did. Um, I had gotten a grant from the Brooklyn Cultural Council to do. Um, a huge, a ridiculous performance art piece in Coney Island that uh, was about a 20 person uh, wrestling match between beasts who are all female and beauties who are all male. And we made these very elaborate uh, Baroque style costumes and it all took out of place garbage. Out of, yeah, some, yeah, a lot of ruffles, a lot of garbage, a lot Amazing. of garbage bags. And mm-hmm. they were gorgeous though. And uh, we had uh, a wrestling match right there on the beach. And then we involved paparazzi who were taking photographs and recording. <laughs> I love it. The cats Just over the cats. there. So where did the water pot come in though? Cause Mary um, Matlin, who was kind of the head of that um, is now a resident of some sort on Governor's Island. Mm-hmm. How? When did all that come about? Um, so Mary and I met through the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council. She was also a resident artist um, at LMCC when I was there. And she was working on this water pod thing. Um, Give a little background on the water pod and what's it. The, the website is fascinating. Just the website's the, still up. You can check it out. Waterpod.org, I think is what it is. It was basically a floating she, her vision was to create a floating ecosystem in which people could live. And I think originally she really wanted it to be kind of an artist residency as well. So you do kind of have a little bit of a cosmic connection between the East Coast and here. I've said it early on when I noticed some of the artists that you were pulling in were they had backgrounds in the Hudson Valley, which is where I have my business now. So I've noticed that even unconsciously, you guys were kind of crisscrossing and bringing people in um, from that area. Uh, we now I now have a word for it um, because we've become involved with the mycology, radical mycology movement, which is so interesting. I've met a few uh, people. We actually had a lecture series from um, some mycologists who came out here during summer solstice last year um, and talked about mushrooms. But their, their whole theory is that people should behave more like mushrooms do, which is, you know, the, the mushroom that comes off the top of the soil is just the fruit, but the mycelium exists underneath the soil and it's a connector between trees and plants and it, it can deliver nutrients. So there's a whole ecology of connection going on within mycology. And, um, and I think that's what happens with human beings too. You know, we meet people, um, we keep them and we get them involved in whatever we're doing and they get us involved in whatever, you know, so there's this constant kind of flow and dialogue and right. Well, that's kind of, okay. So, um, let's back up to how this is kind of how you, when did you meet Shane? Was that after water pod? I mean, so, okay. So I had, so I was in London and did the beastly beauty in London. And then I was really trying to figure out how to get out of New York because it was just, I'd been there for 17 years at that point and was ready to do something else. So I had friends in Berlin and Barcelona and, you know, um, just kind of went around stayed with some people and was like, okay, do I want to live here? Do I want to live there? I had also been thinking about doing this kind of rural artist residency type thing. Cause my main thing about wanting to leave New York is like, how do you, New York is so great because you have access to all of these wonderful people all the time. Yes. So how do you leave an Truly. urban place? But you know, cause I, I desired the rural and I really love 
I wanted to be a farmer, Mm -hmm. but I also wanted to have access to all the people that I come across in New York. Yeah, that's a tough one. Once you experience that New York dynamic of having access to people of all different trades uh, from all different regions of the world, it's a global connection. It's hard to give that up. Yeah. Where do you go from there? Yes. You know? Yeah, so I was thinking about all this stuff while I was traveling around and um, ended up at the end in Ireland. We rented a cabin for a week and uh, we just brought notebooks and a lot of coffee and uh, some wine and just sat down and um, she just asked me, you know, why do why do we want to go to a rural space? What how do you achieve uh, the kind of flow that you get in a city in an urban space within a rural landscape Um, and just thought about all this stuff? Right. Um, so interesting. <clears throat> so you would kind of envisioned something, something similar, similar to, what to this. Yeah, it's. Huh. I, I love that about making art. You know, it's so interesting. It's like you you think about all this stuff. You come up with the ideas, and then it's never quite how you envision it at the end. But you know, in life, I think you there's so many different directions constantly being presented. You know, and maybe your friends influence you sometimes and your community and your, what you come across influences you, uh, to make certain choices. Um, which, which I think, you know, goes back to community. Yeah. You know, but sometimes if you, if you always have that main vision in mind, you think it's going to materialize in the former fashion that you're imagining, but sometimes you'll realize that it materializes completely different ways. in completely different ways. <laughs> yeah. But you look back and it's like, oh, shit, that's kind of what I wanted. But I somehow Never ended up doing it in a yes. totally different way that I didn't think it was going to happen. Speaking yeah. of, uh, maybe we should bring Shane into the picture. Yes, exactly. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Here is Shane of Habitable Spaces. So you get off the plane from Beastly Beauty and land in New York, which is where you meet Shane. And how yes. did this all come about? A couple days later, I guess. A uh, couple well, days later. It, uh, no, I was still jet lagged. I had come in the, the evening before and uh, my drummer was having a birthday party way out in Bushwick because that's where she lived at the time. Because you were in a punk rock oh, band. Yeah, so you were big punk, red. Punk people only live in Bushwick. What was the name of your band? <laughs> Not true. The Ruffian Arms. Ruffian Arms. <laughs> Rock and roll. Yes. Yeah. So that was all going on for years during the whole Beastly Beauty and all the everything else. Um, we had a quite a successful, crazy glittery punk rock band. God, that was I was the part Ruffian of your Arms. cult audience. Mm, yes. So tell me a little bit about how you and Allison met. So you guys met at a bar in, was it Brooklyn? Bushwick, yep. Bushwick. I remember bands like Boogie Brains were playing. Mm-hmm. It was all of <laughs> Boogie Brains. So it was my friend Luisa's birthday party, who is the drummer for the Ruffian Arms. And she got all of her, she got all of her friends' bands to play. Um, oh, see, yeah. Allison and I had been traveling in similar circles for quite a while. And oh, you <clears> had honestly, we, we, we pinpointed we've been at several of the same parties, of the same parties, or like oh, Devo that's concerts. So or weird. Something. Yeah, it was kind of only a matter of time before we met, but um, right. Yeah, and so did you meet on the dance floor, listening to a band? <laughs> Do you remember we were not slam dancing? And, were you? No. Was it a conversational uh, thing? Like when Allison and I met, it was somewhat. conversational without music. Were you, or were you just jamming to a it was band? Just like. <laughs> Yeah, wow, it was very, very uh, intimate questions here. Um, well, you know, we kind of hit it off right. Let's just here. I'm gonna give you the bridged version. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We hit it off right away. Yeah, the abridged version. And we went outside to smoke a cigarette. We never smoked a cigarette. We made out and we've been together ever since. Let's put it that way. Yes. And I, I think it was a month before I moved in with you. But then, yes, Shane moved in as well. Yes, almost <laughs> immediately. And actually, I'd like to clarify that a little bit. I was never an official roommate just for my own autonomy. I what? still had an apartment I paid rent on that you may not remember. Oh, I thought you were yes. fully indentured roommate. I know. Everyone always remembers it that way. But for oh my, my own God. autonomy, I still paid rent on an apartment uh, I did not live in. That's yes. hilarious. I didn't even know that. Your underwear was folded on my shelf. <laughs> this is true. And <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking uh, I was taking interior design classes at the School of Interior Design and I had color theory and I've, I'm used to working in additive light as a graphic designer, which means all the colors uh, of the rainbow come together to create white. But I was actually for the first time having to work with tactile and the physical world and which is subtractive color which blew my mind because i was uh, I, I you know all the colors put together in the subtractive world make black and i it, it was a whole new color con i had no idea what i was doing and you kind of became my tutor a little bit were you That's in right. school or had you graduated how did you know about all that stuff? Did you take it in school or what's your degree? Right. So my background is in, in painting. And, it's in painting. Um, and I'd also been a studio artist in San Antonio for a little while. So I'd, I'd lived off my work. You know, I was living the dream for maybe six months, you know. Well, I think we should probably hurry because you guys have to tend to the animals. But I want to get to habitable spaces. What was the timeline on all that? December 2011, so the end of 2011, uh, we, our residency at Flux Factory was done and we had decided at some point during living there um, to do the project that I had kind of started thinking about in Ireland and Shane had always wanted to do something like that too. Right. We had a lot of planning meetings and stuff at Flux. And, yeah. But and he, so did you have Texas in mind at that point or were you just like wherever you can find it? I'd say I was 100% on Texas. Allison was probably 50 on Florida, 50 on Texas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, it would be a lot easier to grow things in Florida. Um, uh, and the land is cheap, but we'd be underwater in about 10 years. So. Hmm. Um, yeah, so we ended up in Texas. Um, I really love the sort of friendly. Did Shane and, introduce you to Texas or had yes, you known it before? Absolutely. My mother was like, when you go through Texas, roll up your windows and lock the doors. <laughs> and those people are crazy in that state. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> with pride. Yes. So I, I came down uh, with him to Christmas one year and fell in love with Texas. And I was like, yeah. This seems like a great place to do this project. Yeah. And so you're from San Antonio, which is how you ended up here. A little bit of background. Correct. Yeah. yeah. How did Kingsbury come into the picture? So my family actually comes from Kingsbury on my uh, my dad's side. Um, so Kingsbury, just for those who don't know, is about an hour between an hour away from San Antonio and an hour away from Austin between right. the two cities. Right. It's just uh, almost right between San Antonio and Austin. So my family moved here in like the 1850s, 1870s, somewhere around there. Um, farming? For farming. Um, well, so there's our, the namesake of our town, Kingsbury, is from this, uh, this kind of 
a shady character of a railway man who was an investor and kind of was known for shady deals. The ra- the railway ended up firing him, he was English, but he, right? he was English and he did love this area of Texas. And he wrote this little pamphlet about the land of milk and honey, talking about this part of South central Texas and selling it to, uh, to it was translated into like Czech, Polish, German land of milk and honey. Yeah. Is that what that came from? A lot of Germans were really Uh, upset their first drought and they were really pissed off. Uh, What? That they'd come here? Yeah. It's not the land of milk and honey. Oh my God. No way. It can be sometimes. It's not all the time. Evidently those first, uh, the early 1870, Kingsbury was formed in 1875. And evidently those first few years was a terrible drought and a lot of, they couldn't make, ends meet and people were very angry. <laughs> oh, no. So my, my family came. And um, so like, as a kid, like I was raised in San Antonio and we, we would always come out here. Uh, I mean, it's it's very rural. It's, yeah, it's a lot of ranching. My, my grandfather, they used to grow cotton, cattle as well. My grandmother's father was an independent oil speculator. Uh, so he what? would uh, try to find wells for people and he worked independently. So it would be boom and bust. So they'd have like a lot of money and then no Dude, money. Yeah, my mom was adopted in, in, in uh, Germany at the end of World War II. So neither one of my parents are born in the U.S. What's funny is where we're at today at Habitable Spaces is actually my grandmother's property. Where we would be going out is like 10 minutes down the road on my grandfather's property. But it was kind of like a family park and it is beautiful there. Yeah, the land, it's kind of the, it's the foothills. Yeah, it's like the foothills of the, um, of the hill country. So it's like before the hill country begins, but it's the foothills of it. So, so the elevation is really amazing and it drops off in the back. When you look, when we look to the west from that property, you can see all the way to like New Braunfels and San Marcos and you can see 35 at night and you can hear all the coyotes in different areas. So it's a really beautiful piece of property and pretty remarkable right to have those times with my family but yeah yeah that's amazing so that was your history here tell a bit of story about driving the van out and then driving the big cube truck with the van seat in the back well so our residency at flux was ending at the end of 2011 we loaded our van to the hilt and uh so we drove drove the van down and then um I was doing all kinds of like earthen building research. I mean, a lot of stuff that some of it we're still just now getting to because in order to get somewhere, we we, we kind of did have to start with more conventional, traditional um, construction and architecture just to learn how to, to learn how to break the rules. Sometimes you got to learn the rules, you know. So um, we're, we're yes, totally I interested in, in earthen building and, and, and more eco building and all that kind of stuff. But to even get started, I mean, we were living in tents. We've got... Uh, a lot of different functions here on the farm. We've got your artist residency, you've got your farm and gardens, you've got your livestock and fowl. You've now got this makerspace and workshop, um, six permanent structures here, which you have built from the ground up. So the exciting part for me was listening to you discuss the uh, the possibilities and what you were thinking. And I got to hear you visualizing it before you even made it happen. And then you manifested this with which is amazing we're about to have a new year's eve party on your campus with the goats outside the duck pond six permanent structures the rabbit hutch um it has been an amazing process listening to you guys visualize and manifest um i just wanted to talk about something kind of back to when i was thinking about this potential space in ireland and my whole thought was like how do you get people flow so that there are people coming through the farm that I might not know, you know, 
um, because I'm always interested in community and meeting new people and getting new conversations going and, and that whole community thing. Yeah. Um, and you're pretty far out here. Yes. But I think we have achieved fabulous people flow. Um, I think, yes, you know, that we get people out here who we've never met. We get friends of friends. On a global scale. Yes. We and, you know, I have to say that's what kind of inspired me to get into podcasting because you guys have a very unique mix of people on the agricultural side, mm -hmm. the wolfers, and we can talk about what that is, the volunteer farmers and the artists and residents. Now that you're a 501c3 nonprofit, you are uh, an official nonprofit artist residency. And the most exciting part for me was sitting down at the end of the day with everyone who happens to be working at the farm and listening to the amazing conversations mm -hmm. that go on around the dinner table. And a lot of people, including myself, no longer do the traditional sit down family style dinner yes, where you're eating do. the vegetables from the gardens outside. You're eating protein from the animals that you've helped raise. It was such an exciting and unique experience that I really wanted to share with people. So, um, yeah, talk a little bit about how we how you got from, you know, where we were in Brooklyn when we first met to where we are now eight years later. It's amazing, unique uh, global community mm -hmm. that you're creating. Yeah, um, it's been, you know, a lot of hard work uh, for sure. But it's been interesting because it's been built not just by Shane and I from the get go. It's had we've had volunteers and friends come and participate and help. I mean, this this campus has had so many hands on it. So many different people have built it. Um, and I think that's kind of incredible. And, and, you know, it's a community made space. Yeah. And we've also kind of become like a port, you know, like mm -hmm. an art port or whatever, because yeah. people come from all over and within the design, the plan was to let it be organic and to let it happen naturally and to let everyone um, have an influence and control and to not be so rigid as to expect certain results and have certain things designed certain ways and to let that, fl that ambiguity flow and to actually intentionally it's interesting to have control without having control kind of thing. So, huh, so that's right. part, that's always been part of our it's mission. Kind of so a, actually anytime that we get to any development, it's not quite what we originally thought of the four other ideas that we had. It's totally fine with us. It's kind of part of the design. So I, I want to say something, yeah. um, cause this has actually been a topic of conversation since before we got down here. Um, and then especially when we got down here, Shane and I had a ton of conversations about it when we were just there were tents out here how do we plan this place what do we do and i kept on bringing up think about new york like the oh, financial yeah. district yeah that wasn't planned that was just as oh, i mean that was just people mm -hmm. landing and doing their own thing and then it kind of and there is no grid in the financial no district. <laughs> it's so confusing. But it's beautiful. And it, it is. It, it, you know, it has worked it's itself the out. It's one of the most beautiful parts of uh, Manhattan, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. and because I love, it's not on yeah. the grid. Yeah, and I love yeah. that. And I, I think that's something we always try to keep in mind. And frankly, it, it has been, we always, when we're in this, because we have so many people coming through and adding their influence I think that Shane and I's strongest points are being hosts, you know, and, and kind of nurturers um, for a space. And that's when we're strongest is is creating a space where other people can can come in and collaborate with us. Um, and it, it's something we constantly have to come back to and think about and like, OK, well, you know, it's navigating people 
um, and being generous. And yeah, I think the space um, has a certain or organic um, ability. You know, it depends on the people coming through. We try to curate people coming through. We try to bring in people that we think are good for the space and encourage them to be here. But gathering a community around you that's a strong, um, wholesome community is, is a lot of work. Um, and, you know, we're putting in the time, but it takes time. And I yeah. think now in our eighth year, um, it's becoming very evident, especially with the festivals that we do, the Fall Harvest Fest. It was our biggest year yet. I mean, we had about 300 people downtown. And um, and I think that it's been so interesting. That was another unexpected thing, I think, about the growth of habitable spaces, because I think, you know, we kind of had an idea about how we wanted to build this place. But, um, but really, I guess being down here, we realized that building this place is also building Kingsbury and it's, it's building the community up and, and we're all in it together. You know, you can't just be an isolated art compound out on the edges of Kingsbury. It's meaningless yes. and gentrifi gentrifying, mm -hmm. <laughs> honestly, right. without uh, the participation of, of the town as a whole. And so, you know, our two festivals um, that we do and we're collaborating with, we collaborate with our neighbors at the aerodrome and uh, uh, the next door know. neighbors of the aerodrome, which is an amazing historical journey into yeah. um, some some airplanes. And oh, yeah. History of flight. And it's just a fascinating um, collaboration between you two. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And I think the other thing, like Allison was kind of pointing to it, but like when we moved out here, we had no idea the city was about to incorporate and that the city was going to become more of a city. And like, I mean, yes, we did help we with did that, help. but we can't, mm. we can't take full response, uh, full credit for that. I mean, There's this was the, the yeah, some of the balls are already in motion, which we didn't realize. So that's kind of serendipitous that we moved here right before the, the city starts no to idea. incorporate. And I mean, yes, we were, had a big hand in that for sure. But, um, but Some yeah, things, we happen yeah. to come at the right time and away for all that. It's kind it's of interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. I yeah. did not know that. And actually just a, another point about the city incorporation. Um, so we started having these meetings because Shane joined the fire department and then his chief had been talking about this for years. Like we need to incorporate Kingsbury. We need to incorporate Kingsbury because apparently uh, since high school. Huh. Yeah, evidently, um, because the neighboring town Seguin, you know, he was afraid they're, they were going to grow and just take over Kingsbury because it wasn't incorporated. And uh, everybody's like, no, they're 10 miles away. That's ridiculous thought. You know, come on. Uh, they're never going to come out here. Well, we started incorporating and found out that they had already come out. Ooh, so interesting. So but what happened through that whole incorporation was so amazing because everybody involved with the Kingsbury Incorporation Committee Nobody knew each other before. It's it's rural land. It's hard to know your neighbors. You're miles away from your next door neighbor, you know. Uh, and all of a sudden, we formed this community and people were sharing rides. Shane and uh, the local lawyer started sharing rides to San Antonio to commute. People were trading, you know, oh, I've got this, you know, you want me to come over and plow your land? I got to, you know, I mean, it, it was great exchanges. And a lot of our neighbors were saying, wow, I've lived out here for 10 years and I've never known any of my neighbors. So, yeah. Well, whose farm we were on the other day when I was first getting to know him a couple of years ago around one of our bonfires said, I, you know, we were talking about how amazing habitable spaces is and what you guys have done here. And he said, you know, I've lived here my whole life. And before they came here, we never really had like a, a solid <laughs> cohesive community and then you know you guys came in and it did not happen overnight but he said it's been 
amazing to watch the evolution of how this community has become so much more solidified and stronger due to habitable spaces. Yeah. And, and actually I'm so excited for 2020 because we've started a barter club um, and we're going to have our first barter <laughs> meeting in January in downtown Kingsbury at the mayor's uh, building. And amazing. Yeah. Which so is, forward thinking and so necessary I'm so excited. on so many levels. Yeah. yeah. Okay, a little bit of background. I've kind of been helping you guys with your website, mm -hmm. uh, which for me has been an amazing, oh, amazing for opportunity to meet so many um, people and contribute what I've known from both my media and web design background and owning a small business in both lodging and um, events. Um, for me, my part of my revolution is the small business revolution, which I kind of consider you guys a part of a little bit, even though you're not a business, you kind of are mm -hmm. uh, in a different way. Um, but uh, I enjoy meeting people through their small businesses and I've really enjoyed getting to know you guys. Well, I knew you before and I knew, but now I get to contribute my knowledge to you guys and kind of help you out on, on the website. And, and, uh, now we've talked about the possibility of bringing our collective talents. skills and talents and ambitions and visions together in a possible collaboration, uh, for a camper and art park. Yes. And we come up with a little bit of a proposal. We were kind of talking about this before, weren't we? Because I have an Airstream on my property, an Airstream camper, uh, which is the silver bullet. For those of you that don't know, you can look it up. But a lot of Airstream people do not like to be called campers because it's different. <laughs> oh, it's a whole subculture. A but you have uh, you have two campers on site here, along with a fabulous tiny home on wheels that you use as a trading post. Um, we stumbled across uh, a couple of more Airstreams um, that were one here on your property, which is uh, being renovated, repainted um, in buttercup color. And we're calling it buttercup. Mm -hmm. Hey, what up? Buttercup? For now. Yeah. And then I have another Airstream uh, coming here from upstate New York to the farm. So um, let's hear a little bit about what you guys are thinking about the camper and art park, which we're calling cap here. Uh, what, what I think is so, it's so interesting how, you know, you create something and you never quite know how it's all going to pan out. But, um, I think that this has come at the perfect moment because now we've, we've got enough buildings built, uh, you know, the place is not finished by a long shot, but we're now able to at least have some indoor space <laughs> and start thinking about the next phase, which is, uh, really getting classes going, getting um, getting a big workshop happening for the community. And um, I think the art park really just fits so perfectly in that whole next phase, which is kind of uh, making the whole space look a bit more uniform, um, bringing people in who could fly in from remote locations, not, you know, and, and stay overnight in the in the. Um, in the, the camper space, um, and then they can take classes. So it, it all kind of dovetails really nicely with where we want to take the space. So you're already doing uh, classes, lectures, you're teaching people how to cull their own meat, how to raise it, uh, certain horticulture uh, classes on permaculture, 
Um, you're a master's gardener. Master gardener, master gardener, 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 gardener yeah. club. Yeah. So you've you've already kind of explored these. So this is basically just kind of an extension of. Oh, and you're also doing the hip camp over here. So mm-hmm. you've already got rave reviews from people who are coming to your property, you know, repeat customers love uh, being out here in the middle of nature and interacting with your farm. So um, what we were kind of envisioning is a new uh, providing an experience for those who want to come out here and experience your farm and your artists and residents art kind of close up. So you're going to have kind of a new audience for your artists, uh, for your classes, for your lectures. Um, but you're going to be providing an experience, which I think a lot of people, especially in the urban areas, really need kind of bring them, connect them with nature, teach them about their food, about, you know, the protein that they're eating, the vegetables that they're raising. I mean, we're, we're always trying to get people to think outside the box and really kind of empower themselves. Um, I mean, if you think about where we're at as a human race, things are pretty dire right now. Nobody knows how to, um, you know, nobody knows what what properties are of of plants. You know, there's so many herbal plants that you can heal yourself with. Nobody has that knowledge anymore. Nobody knows how to raise animals. Nobody knows how to raise plants. Nobody knows how to make yeah, anything or out build of anything. Touch with with the buildings we're living in, with the food that we're eating, with the uh, with the nature that we're interacting with or not interacting with. And to me, that means that you're disempowered. You're you become a wage worker. So you're working for some huge corporation to make a paycheck with which you pay for your food, your housing, your medicine. And all of those huge systems are collapsing under yeah. the weight of themselves and under the weight of like they've become so huge that are they really serving us anymore? You kind of wonder. Yeah. I mean, you, it makes you feel powerless mm-hmm. at this end. Yeah. You know what? What are we going to do? I. That's why you come out to Habitable Spaces and walk on our five miles of natural trails. Yes. yes. Experience yes. the animals and the classes and the vegetation and the permaculture, which I'm really excited to learn about. Um, and the natural uh, species of plants and animals and everything that they have to offer. It's a real eye opener. There's so much empowerment in being able to grow your own food and feed yourself. And it's a creative act, I think. You know, I mean, it's it's... It's, it's so ridiculous how, you know, they've done studies about like, you know what a great cure for depression and even like mental illness? Sticking your hands in the soil. Yes. I, and being know, around I've animals. I've heard people like say so that simple. before. It's yeah. so simple. It is. It's amazing. Yeah. That's really exciting. I'm really yeah. excited. Make it fun, a fun learning experience. Yeah. And again, to uh, just talk a little bit more about Kingsbury in general, that as we're developing this, you know, there are becoming more things to do in Kingsbury and stuff to go to. We'd already mentioned our neighbors at the Aerodrome, which um, is also the, called the Pioneer Flight Museum, uh, an Aerodrome, which is all World War One, mostly World War One um, airplanes, motorcycles, cars, trucks, ambulance, stuff like that. And uh, so that's really fun to go check out. And they, they always have an open work day on Saturdays and anyone can come check it out. Oh, nice. Um, then, then we do have within a five, seven mile radius, we do have uh, a local brewery, uh, BS Brewery. He does claim Seguin. I like to harass him and tell him he's more in Kingsbury than in Seguin. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, BS Brewery's 
they started when we started Habitable Spaces, and they've gotten pretty big now. It's still, it was a one-man operation for a long time. Now he finally has some employees, and he has hours at the brewery and stuff, and he has a little playground for the kids to play in. Actually, a pretty elaborate playground for kids to play on. Nice. Then we have a winery and mead works place called a, a Blue Lotus a Winery and Texas Mead Works, which is also like a you know seven-minute car ride. Uh, and then, you know, we do have a couple little local bars and the mayor, part of the reason why those buildings you were talking about look a lot better now is our mayor actually bought three of the buildings in downtown Kingsbury and they were about oh, to fall apart yeah. and she's completely, her Nicely husband, to be fair, done. completely remodeled them. They, I mean, the roofs were falling in and stuff. So they've, they've redone the roofs and the inside and they've painted them. And so, and they, they want to have like a mercantile kind of shop, coffee shop, um, feed store. And one of them, and then um, kind of a dance hall singer songwriter yeah. um, thing going on there. And he's pretty connected. Um, he's kind of almost famous himself in the singer songwriter country circuit. Yeah. So oh, he's very connected exciting. to the singer songwriter country yeah. country circuit. So um, the kind of acts he could book would just be amazing. So once they get that off the ground, there's going to be a lot more other stuff to do in Kingsbury too. Right. So. And I think this is a really exciting um, thing to be involved with. I'm really grateful Yay. that you guys have allowed me to participate. Um, uh, oh, man, it's it's been such a an amazing journey, this whole thing from like landing here and living in a tent and roughing it. Boy, that was it was we had some hard times. Yeah. And then even just even just incorporating Kingsbury was interesting. I mean, we we joined the incorporation committee for totally different reasons than other people. There were some people who wanted to incorporate because they wanted to burn their garbage, you know? <laughs> we all <laughs> and sh- have And done. shoot their guns off their back porch. Different motivations. Yeah, Left we, alone in general. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, right. And we joined because we that. wanted to do natural building and, and have composting toilets and not be bothered by regulations on those levels. Yeah, um, right. So I think, you know, as far as collaboration goes, it's sometimes it takes many different walks to create something. But, you know, creating that balance is what is so difficult to do as human beings and and also so important for us to listen and hear each other. You know, going back to the breakdown of our society right now, why why are we in such crisis in the United States? It's because nobody wants to work together anymore. Like We're disconnected. Yeah. Well, kids, 2020, it is New Year's Eve. What a great way to end the decade and begin another one. Hindsight, we've got a lot of. Foresight, we've got Mm. a ton of. Um, And it's just a really exciting beginning. Let's go pop that cork, kids. Rang in the year 2020 to champagne toasts and fireworks around the fire pit with grand visions for collaboration communities still on our minds. Little did we know that dire circumstances would bring us back together just a few short months later. I returned home to the East Coast winter in full swing. By February, my business sold and I prepared to move to the city to be near my classes. As the date approached, there were murmurs of a bird flu-like virus happening in Asia, but life in the States was still pretty much business as usual. A friend and fellow music lover in Austin had secured hard-to-get concert tickets to a favorite band, so I was eagerly counting down to my return in March. (laughs) 
Tripping down here without reservations Without knowing his destination But now he's here but not quite clear Just what he will do Some friends from habitable spaces Said come on over to one of our places So we jumped right into Life on the farm Your place in the sky.